Welcome to SolkanaCast, two broads talking broadly about health, the physical, the emotional, the nitty-gritty, and the fun. Real thoughts on real health. The information provided within this podcast is not designed to and does not provide medical advice, professional diagnosis, opinion, treatment, or services to you or any other individual and is intended for general information for educational purposes only. Welcome to SoconaCast episode 33, periods! Yay! I'm your co-host, Hannah Whitevin, owner of Sulcana Fitness and Wellness. And I'm Lucia Holly, nutritional therapy practitioner, running my practice out of Sulcana Wellness. Yay, I'm so excited to talk about periods today. Me too. You have no idea. Number one, I'm having my period. Uh, I had so mine. I felt like this was really fortuitous. <laughs> Very, uh, Like, wow, my body really knew it was time to talk about periods. Oh, there's that body timing. That's right. Or my pill pack told me. Oh, <laughs> my body told me to have a period last week, and I did. Good job. Thanks, body. That's great. It is so is that your weekly update? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. How was your week? <laughs> week was good. Uh, got a haircut last week. Love weekend. it. Thanks. It's like short and bright and summery. Yeah. Too bad it's not summer. It's a blonde la balayage. Wow, um, you just okay. said that all like it was words that were normal. <laughs> That's just what I entered Yay. into Pinterest a million times, being like, do I do I want that? Do I want this? Do I want that? Yeah. I was so do. ready, though, by the time I sat in um, the my hairstylist chair. She was like, are you sure you want to cut your hair this short? And I was like, just do it. Yeah. And then she was halfway through. She's like, this is pretty short. And I was like, shh, keep going. Come on. Keep going. And I was like, yes. Washing lob, it a bit, a lob, dream. Lob, lob, me. <laughs> yeah, you're like, where's the rest of my hair? It's gone. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I always forget. I always think, well, you know, at whatever length, you're really just washing your scalp. So how can it be that much different? No, it's very different. Yeah, you had like a gajillion piles of hair before. God, it's so much hair. So that's been, I've been feeling very free. Wow, what a week. What a week. How was your week? Oh, you know, like somehow very long and also very short. Uh-huh. Like, I think we were just here doing this. I know. Like, just last week we did this, <laughs> and it felt like yesterday. Huh. I haven't gotten a colonic. I would like to mm. schedule that. I just haven't had any – I haven't had much self-care this week. The, my my staple of self-care right now – this is, like, my fourth week of doing mobility every day. Yeah. And that's really helped me. That's awesome. Yeah, like, now when I warm up to lift, it doesn't take me 45 minutes. Right. <laughs> I'm not getting like last like on Tuesday night of this week. Oh, I I did PR my snatch. Congrats! Yeah, thank Ooh. you. That was really exciting. And let me just say this: it was the day before my period. So mm. that's just gonna disprove everything. <laughs> but, but anyway, we'll talk about it more. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Just so y'all know, mm-hmm. it was the day before my period when I PR'd my snatch. Yes. So, um, when I was warming up on Tuesday night, it took like. 10 minutes to get warm instead of like 45 because normally I feel like I'm trying to find mobility mm. and now I'm just like warming up to the mobility that I've gained right guys like I know there's science behind it and people <laughs> have told me for years and years to do it and I really have talked about doing it but now I'm really in it to win yeah. it and I I really like it I've already done 40 mobi- minutes of mobility today that's incredible and I'm planning on doing some more tonight too. oh my gosh because it feels good and I actually f- like are and performing better so performing better and I feel like it is it's easily so grounding yeah which I think I 
for whatever reason, it's like until I'm mobilizing, it's like, oh, right, this is that feeling that feels really good. And it's really meditative. And I can't force myself to meditate any other way. Mm -hmm. So because I just have to be in my body. I'm a body person. Yeah, you're a very physical person. You're in your body. Yeah, I'm like a fidgeter. Like I don't, you know, I'm just all over, boom, 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 all over the place all the time. So I can't just like sit and meditate. I have to be in a position or if I could sit, I could sit and do a guided meditation. It has to feel like it's like. Like moving somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> get to the point. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. But it, it's really helpful to get into a position and then kind of like melt. Then I could sit there forever. Yeah. I get, um, so I was in, I worked out today and Hannah taught the class and we were maxing out on deadlifts and deadlifts are something that are very much get me right into my head and I stay in my head and mm-hmm. get out of my body, which is, I'm working on it, but Wanted to get a PR that I did not get. Still got a PR, though. Still got a PR, (laughs) but didn't get the one that I really wanted that I think would have lifted a lot of, like, mental stuff off if I gotten it. Anyway, but I got it, and it's like, I don't – I think for people who know me, I don't get frustrated very easily. I don't get angry much at all. But I was, like, ready to punch something and cry for the rest of the class period. Yeah. And then it wasn't until we got to, like, the sixth minute of – mobility that I was like able to release that stuff yeah but it's it was like tough. it sucks that feeling of failure just builds up in your body mm-hmm. I was so in that place yesterday mm. and I yeah like I was trying to do cleans in the back room and I was doing like cleans from the high blocks which is power cleans from the high blocks which is like mixing together two things I'm not good at which is power cleans and like pulling the bar from above my knee uh-huh and I was, I just was like missing for no reason. Like I was not committing to it and I hated it. I was getting so mad. I was like yelling. Mm-hmm. I just quit early. Mm-hmm. I quit early and I just did a CrossFit workout instead. And I partially blamed my period because I was like, <laughs> oh, I don't feel like doing this today. Like right. I'm crabby as hell and right. I don't feel like doing this today. I didn't feel weak. I just felt like, like brain, I was mad at myself. And yeah. so I just started to chip away at my own ability to perform because mm-hmm. I was like, you you suck. You can't do this. Totally. So. And then what happened? I just quit. I just quit. did yeah. a cross workout and it's fine. Yeah. I just yeah. needed to like take my brain off of it for a little while. I mean, honestly, this is like the sixth week of this new cycle and it's so hard. And I hit a PR on Tuesday night. And then of course, mm-hmm. Wednesday I was feeling like I couldn't do the thing I wanted to do. Yeah. So it's like that setup of like right. success immediately followed by failure. Yeah. You're like, really? Oh. You know, versus the rest of the six weeks, which was all just chipping away at skills and feeling like, okay, I'll eventually feel successful. Yeah. So, you know, emotional highs and lows. Yeah. So, but I'm ready to talk about periods for sure. Yeah. Get into it. Let's go. Yeah. Well, so I'm going to start this week. Sure are. I know. It's so weird. But because I feel like my whole section leaves a lot of unanswered questions. Because as (laughs) it turns out, yeah, I mean... When we're talking about, like, the science of periods, let me just say, the science of women's bodies, much less the science of bodies that have uteruses in them, Mm -hmm. like, that is such an unexplored world. There's so much missing information. And we were even talking about that. We were, like, making jokes last week with Natalie Davis yeah. about that. About, yes. like, there's a gynecologist. Yep. One woman? No, yep. Nothing. And we, t- exactly. and we talk about how – we talked about during the breast um, episode how there just isn't a lot of good information 
because there's not a lot of studies done. Because well, uh, why? Maybe because nobody is financially supporting those studies. Yeah. Nobody is really looking to pay to find out more information about how periods affect um, a person's body. Right. So, and like there's zero information that I could find about how, <clears throat> how if you still have a menstrual cycle, but you're like starting to take testosterone, oh. how that affects your performance. There's like nothing. Sure. No. Like Google was like, do you mean something else? <laughs> no, Google. Uh, That's so, what I mean. Yeah. So my biggest takeaway from just even like prepping for this episode is that there is so much missing information about the menstrual cycle and it's infuriating yep and definitely speaks to what's going on in our greater culture yeah ah. great great mm. okay well <laughs> let's just get into it the question i had basically before i went into this whole thing was does your menstrual cycle affect your performance wait as an athlete is is all of this what you're gonna say is it gonna make me feel like punching something and crying again because i just felt that like maybe four hours ago it might but it'll also make you feel like i knew i was right about something okay good okay good, 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 good. so look this is my biggest frustration with looking up this whole thing is that we talked about we've talked about pop science before yeah there are like a limited handful of studies relating to menstrual cycle and athletic performance all of those studies from what I could find, are tested on small groups and tested on groups of only, like, women-identified athletes. Uh -huh. Okay, so that's, like, the world we're living in. Yeah. Is studies that are done on groups of, like, 20 to 50 athletes that are all, like, female-identified athletes. So mm -hmm. that's, like, the world that we have to focus on just to sort of answer what's happening at right. the moment. Right, right. Because if I had other information, I would share it. And I'm sure do someone does have other information. Mm -hmm. It's just not easily accessible. No. But based on those few studies, all the bullshit internet people of the world have written and rewritten articles that contradict each other and don't actually are not actually supported by the studies. Mm. So, like, I can't remember what episode we were talking about. Pop science. Oh, probably the breast episode. Because yeah. I think that's the last time I got this heated. Yes. Yep. Um, all the pop science sites like New York Times and like stuff breaking muscle, T Nation, like mm -hmm. those, all those science, well, no, all those um, fitness websites or, or news websites that just use scientific articles Prevention, to kind of make, health. Yeah, yeah, that to kind of make conclusions, yeah, end up leading to different conclusions. Also, to conclusions that you can't really say are conclusive based on the actual evidence in the studies. Right. It should just be a different word. Right. Here are some studies. That's it. Yeah. That's all you can say. So right. that's what I'm going to try to do today. Okay. Um, first first thing first is that uh, in order to, like, really get this information, you have to go back to the study them the studies it's themselves. Yeah. Because even just going to the – any like, even on the BBC, BBC did an article about some of these studies that were done, and they, it started with um, this phrase, every woman – Every woman does not look forward to the dreaded monthly visit from Aunt Flo. Did a man write that? I don't, like, I don't even, <laughs> can we just talk about how infantilizing the menstrual cycle and period into, like, a weird, like, uh, nickname? Yeah. Is so frustrating. Yeah. It's and demeaning. Very much. Aunt Flo or the Crimson Tide. 
First of all, it's not a tide. No. If anything, it's like a coffee percolator. <laughs> it's like a slow drip. Dripping along. Slow. It's certainly not something that I am afraid of or dread or see as unusual or abnormal. And that's awesome. And I don't think that even for so many people growing up, that's not the case. And you have to – I feel like it's almost like a personal journey yeah. with your period to be like, right. oh, wait, no, this is natural. Right. And well, this because is someone fine. told you it wasn't natural. Right. Someone told you it was weird and gross. Again and again and again. Uh-huh. Probably someone who doesn't get a period yeah. told you it was weird and gross and then it made you weak and it makes you – Unable to make decisions, and it makes you, you more susceptible to, yeah, yeah, exactly. You shouldn't mm-hmm. talk about it. And I feel like my mom had a good grip on that. Mm-hmm. She like never made me feel weird about having my period. That's cool. I didn't think my dad ever made me feel weird about having my period. I feel like I've been sort of TMI about my period since I was little. Awesome. <laughs> I was like the first one to tell my friends I got yeah. my period, and then when they were going through you know, getting their first periods, like, yeah. they were able to, like, come to me and talk to me about it. That's awesome. Um, yeah, and I never was, like, my parent, my mom never made me choose, like, she, she never forced me to use any certain type of thing. Right. So if I wanted to use pads, I used pads. If I wanted to use tampons, I used tampons. She didn't stop me from using either one. Mm-hmm. Um, she, like, helped me sort of make the transition without feeling embarrassed by it cool that makes sense yeah and now i'm all about that diva cup anyway dude diva cups i was just talking to a friend yesterday about it and i was like just try it she was kind of on the fence and i was like just just try it just try it and it it isn't it isn't perfect for everyone i do know i also know people who don't um they feel like it's uncomfortable yeah for different reasons but oh my gosh if it works for you like hallelujah yeah so many different levels right i that's funny because i was also talking to someone about it yesterday, oh, to funny. a group of people about it yesterday, who cause someone said, "Oh, I started using a Dev cup," and we were talking about about it, and one of the pers- one of the people in the group had had a bad experience, and then mm. like four of us had had a good experience, and I think that's the case with probably anything that's an external item that yeah. you like use. But and, and if anyone doesn't know, a uh, Dev cup is like a silicone. It's really essentially a cup that you like. Yeah, it sits on your cervix. Yeah, and then it collects menstrual fluid and then you can take it out and dump yeah. it out and you can use it oh it's just so efficient and it's reusable so you clean it after your period and then you just get a try to use it again yeah it's exactly like, like 40 bucks and i've used mine for one time for one time. i've and saved like thousands it, of dollars because i've used it for 12 years right i've saved so much money on tampons totally I, I almost forget sometimes like to buy them for the gym i forget that yep. people use tampons yeah so, i'll have clients oh. come in and be like oh hey do you have one i'm like oh uh, yeah yeah the only thing I, I the only thing that i feel well this could kind of be saved for later i guess but the only thing that i feel a little bit um frust- annoyed by sometimes is that it when i am lifting really heavy and squatting really heavy for example at the bottom of my squat i feel like i feel like i can sometimes feel my diva cup like it's not going to shoot out or anything. It just yeah. feels, like, slightly uncomfortable. But right. it, it's much worse with a tampon. Sure. So sometimes I just uh, will go into the bathroom and empty it out, take it out, and then just, like, free bleed during my sure. lifting session because right. I don't really care. Yeah. And um, no it's idea. not like you're pouring out gallons of blood Right, again, in not hour. tidal wave. <laughs> it's, like, such <laughs> a small amount of blood in that time. I will say that that is also something that's very going to be very unique per person. Sure, Some yeah, for me is, specifically. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, and some people might feel less comfortable doing that on certain days and more yeah. more comfortable other days or using like a panty liner type of thing or oh. like thinks those new underwear oh, that yeah. absorb blood. Those are interesting. Yeah. Um, okay, my, that's kind of my only other thing I want to say about the Diva Cup, and it, there are different types, and that's just like a trademark name. I hate the word diva. Yeah. I like hate calling it. I'm like, oh, I'm talking about my diva cup. Yeah. I don't want to. Although I always think when I think of divas, I always think of like Aretha Franklin. I know, and but Whitney it's like Houston, and so I like to think my vagina is like a diva in that way. Okay. okay. Like she's like the brightest star. Yeah. On the stage. That's. No, Does that, that make you feel nice. a little better? Just yeah, I'm just gonna think about Aretha Franklin. Yeah. Who I've been thinking about all the time anyway. So Yeah, your perfect. diva cup is like, R-E-S-P-E-C-T. <laughs> like, sure okay. is. So, okay, so let's get back to talking about what we originally okay. came here for. Does your period actually have any effect on your ability to perform? If you were to read bodybuilding.com or T-Nation, they would say it has a high effect, but that is not true. Mm. Estrogen itself, of course, has an effect on the way your body does anything. Can you tell people what estrogen is? Yeah, it's a hormone. Yeah, it's a sex hormone. <laughs> yeah, it's a sex hormone and and uh, testosterone. Both they both of those hormones have a uh, a great effect on how your body functions. Yep. Obviously, mm-hmm. that is like you know unquestioned, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that your actual menstrual cycle has any effect on your performance. Right. And that is where I get frustrated when I read through articles because. You can easily take the link. If you just researched estrogen, you could say, well, estrogen makes a big difference on how your body functions, whether mm-hmm. or not you can um, actually perform anything, whether or not you have any cardiovascular control. But that's like lack of estrogen or estrogen. not So extreme that it's yeah, not Yeah, it's be... such a small changes. Right. Estrogen and progesterone take some, such small dips and and. Um, highs during your menstrual cycle that it's completely irrelevant from the question about whether or not estrogen affects your body. Right. And that's what frustrated me when I look through everything online is that there's a confusing, there's a, there's a confusion between what estrogen does to the body and what your menstrual cycle does to the body. Right. Estrogen has a large effect. If you have really low estrogen or really high estrogen, that's going to change your performance mm-hmm. but that's not something that you just get on the day of your period or not that's yeah. something that you you have been dealing with or your body has been dealing with for a while just like if you go from having higher levels of estrogen to then switching to higher levels of testosterone mm-hmm. your body is going to change the way you perform is going to change the way you look is going to change but none of that happens within your menstrual cycle right okay so let's just <laughs> clarify that levels of of hormone make a huge difference on your body levels of hormone don't change perceptibly enough within your period to make that change happen over like 28 days right your period is or yeah that menstrual cycle and those hormone changes are happening within a very small part of that wider spectrum right of the ability for hormones to be shifting right so now let's work within those smaller parameters. Okay. Given <laughs> that we understand that the menstrual cycle is small changes in estrogen and progesterone, the question then is, should you expect any changes in your performance around times of ovulation or menstruation? Mm. And the answer? Mm. Probably not. Ah. Probably not. Most of the studies, most of the, the articles that you can even read about it are all anecdotal. Mm-hmm. It's people's personal experience in whether or not 
their period has affected their performance in their sport. Right. Which is useless. Unfortunately, anecdote is useless because everyone's going to have a different experience from one another. Right. And you're, let's say a high-level tennis player says, well, on my period, I didn't win gold at this meet. You have no, I mean, that's not a science. There's that's not a thing. a million confounding cofactors yes. to that experience. Did, did that person sleep enough? Did they eat the same thing they normally eat before a competition? Are, have they, are they overtrained or undertrained? Yeah, were they even ready for that competition? Were they ever going to win? Right. Like, it's irrelevant. Yeah. Yeah. There's another anecdote that I saw that a soccer player said both times that she tore her ACL, she was on her period. And I think, well, that's an odd coincidence for you, mm-hmm. but it's also not causal. No, it's not. And also, please don't put that in an article and pretend that it's information. Right. Please. Yeah. You tore your ACL because you're a professional soccer player. And that's, like, part of the scarier parts of that job basically right like, yeah you're probably gonna tear your acl like par, par for the course <laughs> like soccer players have a huge rate of air, of acl tear you're gonna probably tear and you're probably gonna have your period yeah <laughs> weird that they could happen at the same time anyway but that's my point is that anecdotal yeah. information does not really help us right so then we have to kind of turn to the studies that are available of which there are very very few right um so we have to turn to the studies that are actually out there which are very few so uh one study one study that was done on European rowers, and again, this is a group of uh, high-level elite rowers mm-hmm. in Europe that all identify as women, found that there was essentially no discernible difference between when those rowers were having their period or when they were, or when they were ovulating versus any other time in their cycle. No change in their cardiovascular capacity, no change in their endurance and their stamina and their ability to be high-level athletes. Zero change including people who were on um, hormonal contraceptive. Okay. So even those who were on um, a, you know, a different version of estrogen, they had also had no perceptible difference between their performance while they were peaking in the middle of that pill pack or at the end when they had menstruation. Right. So the in the ways that they said there was no difference are, for example, they it had no effect on whether or not they could use oxygen or move lactate through their blood, mm, okay. which are two important things when you're thinking about cardiovascular capacity yeah. or VO2 max. Yeah. There was no change in those things. Mm. Okay, so there's a good study for you. Yeah. <laughs> of course, some articles that I read use all reference the same study and all used it incorrectly. <laughs> the study basically says on this small group of women, there's no perceptible change. Mm-hmm in their performance at a high level of rowing. Yeah. There's you can't make any definitive statements from that because it's a really small study. Right. It's going to be a lot of speculating. Yeah. Well, and the study itself yeah. just said this is what we found and there's no there's no the world draws conclusions, pop science draws conclusions yeah. based on real science yeah. that found that are the sound more fun. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Another study that was done, and this one was really referenced in the in the wrong way mostly, was that this really, again, a really small study of, of like 30 uh, long jumpers and high jumpers mm. who were uh, female identified found that there was some small increased pliability in their tendons, specifically in their feet, because that's where they were measuring, mm-hmm. was their f- like flexibility in their feet. Mm-hmm. Um there was a slight peak in flexibility during ovulation. Okay. So when they were ovulating, when they had the highest level 
of estrogen in the system, they found that there was a very, very small, tiny change in how much pliability there was in their tendons and mm-hmm. their feet. So, again, that's it. That's all they found. It was a really small change. They can't make any conclusions on it. Maybe it could indicate more pliability in the rest of the body, in the rest of the tendons, and maybe that would have some effect on whether or not you would be injured. Yep. But again, let's refer back to that story from the soccer player who said it happened during her period. Mm -hmm. So that anecdote kind of directly conflicts. Right. (laughs) this piece of information great (laughs) right so a lot of studies i saw said you need to be careful around your time that you're ovulating because you are way more susceptible to injury but that's not true the study said that's that's a possibility but we don't know that from this study yeah because they didn't purposely injure those people during that time they would have had to try to injure them (laughs) (laughs) that'd be a different study yeah that'd be a different study they would have had to try to injure that tendon right um so that's one piece of information A third piece of information that we can refer directly from a study is that uh, one tiny study in 2005 tracked cyclists. And what they found is that some of them found slightly increased performance times, increased speed on their trials right before ovulation. Okay. So here we are again. Increased estrogen during, slightly increased in estrogen right before ovulation. Maybe when their progesterone is dampened, maybe they're having some effect in their ability to have a race time. Mm-hmm. Some of them. Right. And it was pretty small. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> you see where I'm going with this? I sure do. Okay. The other study that I found that I really liked and wanted to share is <laughs> that um, ten- your tendon growth, like your muscle and tendon growth, are really you know dependent on your hormones so testosterone will allow you to increase your muscle and tendon growth faster than Mm. estrogen will which is why generally people who have higher testosterone have greater muscle mass and um better tendons or stronger and thicker tendons yeah but um one study that was done of people who had high uh tendon and muscle growth and then stopped working out Mm -hmm. found that Actually, people who have higher estrogen have an easier time maintaining their tendon and muscle when they're in their off, when they're taking a break. Gotcha. And it's less likely to degrade as quickly. That's really interesting. Yeah. And the, yeah. Uh, they, the, the thing they suggested might be the reason why is because biologically, like someone who has high estrogen, like would have adapted to having an off time during pregnancy sure. an off time when they're not as physically active. Mm-hmm. Um, so the body is like accounting for that off time right? and helping maintain some of the muscle mass and, and tendons so that when they're back in the on time, they can recover yeah. and come back really quickly. Yeah. Which I could probably say is a bit anecdotally <laughs> supported by the fact that uh, we have a coach here who like just <laughs> gave birth and she's somehow s- stronger than ever. <laughs> Uh, and stronger than everybody I've ever met. Yeah, total powerhouse 24-7. Yeah, yeah and yeah, really yeah. didn't wasn't affected at all. Nice. I mean, I'm sure she would say otherwise, but just sure. from an outsider's perspective, yeah. her performance hasn't really been affected very very greatly. Right. I liked that study. That's why I brought it up. Yeah. It's kind actually, of irrelevant. I kind of, that helped me. I felt, um, you know, I had, of course, I think I've talked about a little bit, like my own health struggles this past fall, and I ended up taking quite a few months off of CrossFit and felt very guilty about it. But then coming back into it, I'm not doing it at high levels like so many people are. But it's like, oh, 
it's okay. You're fine. It's fine. Yeah, exactly. It's, fine. it's not like all your muscle wilts away. Exactly. Just like melts off of you. Exactly. So these are the things we do know. Yeah. Uh, we do know that there have been studies done that have shown that there's no effect, discernible effect throughout the menstrual cycle on high level endurance athletes. We also know that there's maybe a tiny effect on the ability of the tendons to remain tight and tense, but yeah. it's a very small effect. And there's no evidence outside of this one study because no one has ever done another study to follow up on it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we also have a study that says that right peaking up to ovulation right around when the estrogen is high, there may be some connection between ability to go faster. Nothing about when you're actually having your menstruation when you're mm-hmm. actually having your period there is no evidence connecting having your period and having a worse athletic performance right whatsoever right none whatsoever yeah so we d- we can't really say anything about it we can't except for that there is no evidence to support it so anyone who tells you otherwise is coming from either their personal experience or anecdotal experience or bullshit they're making it up yeah and i would say if they are someone who does have that personal experience and they're like oh things you know yeah i don't feel as strong or any of that during um when they are having their period i would also be curious if they because of other symptoms that they're feeling yeah i think it's all symptoms of pms pms that they're just like oh i feel gross in general but maybe not really seeing that that might not be affecting their strength per se or their ability to maintain um, in a workout. Yeah, and there's a difference between your menstrual cycle and your PMS symptoms. Right. So if there's no discernible difference in your performance, so then if you think about your PMS symptoms, maybe you're feeling a little crabby and you just don't fucking want to do it that day. Yeah. Or maybe you're feeling fatigued. You're tired or you have a big headache. Yeah, or, or maybe you woke you up bloated? and you're like, you're like, boom, ready to go because your symptoms of PMS are like mm-hmm. exhilaration. I mean, there's, it's very, very individual. it's, it's individualized. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Um, and you may have a different mindset if you're going into a competition, those PMS symptoms might not affect you as much because it's all tied into your stress levels and your ability to maintain, um, sleep patterns and eating patterns. So if you're like somebody who is peaking for a meet or, you know, about to do a competition and then you're coming into your menstrual cycle, there's no real evidence to say that that will change at all how you perform. Mm -hmm. You might have your own desires. Like, of course... I don't know that many people would choose to have their period on the day of a competition, but it's not really going to make a big difference. Yeah, right. It's more of that personal comfort. Yes, personal comfort. Exactly. Like I said, if you're at the bottom of a heavy clean and your diva cup feels like it's going to fall out, that's a personal comfort thing. Yeah, or if you have a very heavy flow and you don't feel comfortable engaging in certain activities or feeling like, okay, even in the gym, like, let me practice my handstands. Let me be... um, who, who knows what, like yes. crawling or anything that puts your body into a position where you're like, I don't know if this yeah. is what I would choose to be doing. I also found one study that was about um, Olympic swimmers, mm. and it's they talked about menstrual cramping and how that also had no discernible effect on ability to perform. Sure. So, again, like PMS symptoms, I think, from from what everything I've read, there's no real connection between how your performance is and your PS, PMS symptoms. It's more just like your mental game your mental your experience of the yeah the your experience of the performance yeah. more than anything else right your body will be there for you mm-hmm. from everything we know <laughs> your body will support you continually through that 
experience. Yeah. It's just like how you handle it personally or what happens to you personally as a result of it. That, right. that might be different for everyone. Right. So I wanted to also bring up that part of my research from all this was finding a lot of information about like blogs where people are trying to give each other suggestions for how to prevent their daughters from having their periods before they Ooh, compete. Mm. Yeah. So there's a lot of misinformation and a ton of people spending time trying to prevent their athletes from having their periods. One like anecdotal piece of information that I found um, on the BBC site was about an 18-year-old runner named Jessica Judd. And she was about to have her period and her um, trainers got a doctor to give her norethesterone, nor-e, yeah, it's like N-O-R-E, thesterone, mm-hmm. norethesterone, mm-hmm. which basically prevents you from having your period. Mm, well, so, yeah, exactly. It prevented <laughs> her from having her period, delayed her period. Yeah. And she ended up missing the qualifiers and performing worse than she had in her previous run. Um, and not not making it on, feeling super disappointed by her run. Yeah. So that's just one piece of information, one anecdote that I saw. But there's a lot of there's a lot of coaches out there who are trying to get their athletes to stop having their period mm-hmm. for no real reason, mm-hmm. and parents who are trying to get their athletic kids oh, to take, uh, yeah, to take the type of pills that will only allow you to have a period like once every four months right. or once a year, yeah, once every six months, mm-hmm. um, so that they can be better athletes. I know no, it's really twisted. The human body needs I know. to do what it needs to do. Yes, but so much like period information is based just on what people think. Right. It has nothing to do with real science. Right. So unfortunate. I think you know that story about that free bleeder during the marathon. Uh huh. That was such a great story because she did a whole marathon. Uh, you know, like a total badass, right. free bleeding the whole time. Right. And it didn't have any effect on her ability to perform. In fact, it was it probably helped her perform because yeah. she didn't have to worry about stopping to deal with a tampon or totally. like, you know, tampons can like rub and cause chafing and certainly pads would definitely do that. Mm-hmm. And diva cups could do the same thing for people. You don't know. Yep. So I think there's people are starting to maybe talk about it and flip the script but it is still definitely a taboo conversation yeah to talk about your period i feel at like any even, time even in our gym which is so open and people are so you know open to talking about how they're feeling or what's going on i still don't hear about periods very much yeah i mean i try to talk moment. about it literally every time i have it but you know because <laughs> i like to talk about my period right but yeah we definitely like I think the one thing that we do is that is really different is have a lot of like period accoutrement in the bathroom without any shame about it. It's like yeah, this oh is God. the tampons area. Because guess what? More than half of us might be wanting to use these. For sure. For sure. A yeah. lot of people might be wanting to use these. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. That's what that's what I have to say. Mm-hmm. This is a lot of bullshit science. There's a lot of fake there's a lot of and there's assumptions, a lot of talk, yeah. lot of talk yeah. and a lot of stuff that's just rooted in old wives' tales. Yeah, It makes me so sad. Yuck. makes me so sad. Do you have a challenge for us this week with this? <sighs> you know, I think my challenge would be more like a long-term one. If you're a period haver, if you have your period um, or you sometimes get your period or whatever, I want you to kind of like think about your next month. And see if you can just keep, like, tabs on during or around your ovulation or during or around your menstruation. Do you actually notice any discernible difference in the way you feel? Mm -hmm. And then does that at all 
change the way you perform. Right. Truly. Yeah. Okay. That's I'll take challenge. that challenge on. Okay. I'll uh, hope some listeners do as well. Yeah. yeah. You know, it would be interesting if there was like real science done. <laughs> I mean, real science <laughs> right. done on, the men- on, on menstrual cycles. And we found out that actually there was some difference. And then we could like, you know, you time our performance <laughs> around that and just be the best, you know? Mm-hmm. I just don't think it's ever going to happen. Yeah. There needs to be a whole organization that's dedicated solely to understanding the uterus and vagina and like women's bodies and trans bodies and I would support them with so much money oh my gosh (laughs) I'm gonna give them all the money in all realms too I mean like think of like orgasm or any of that oh yeah oh my god right it's like we should have an orgasm episode because that there's so many there's so much there's like so many myths even about like athleticism and orgasm i can't even tell you oh i see i want to hear about that okay all right we'll have that'll be an episode stay tuned for that stay tuned (laughs) okay so what i want to be focusing on with a period because it is it can be such an expansive there's a lot to say there is a lot to say i had a hard time figuring out exactly what i wanted to talk about too yeah a lot of facets so what i want to be focusing on is PMS, because I think like we were talking about before, that experience of being in a gym or being in a situation and just feeling so uncomfortable in your body and what can be going on. Um, I want to talk about some strategies and things that you could be thinking about to see if you want to be managing that PMS. So PMS stands for premenstrual syndrome. There is a related yet a something that's more of a, a uh, it's called more of like a disorder, which is PMDD, which some people have. Yeah, premenstrual dif- dysphoric disorder, um, which is a even more severe form of premenstrual syndrome. So, which is where it's really impacting how you navigate your day. Anyway, but we'll be focusing on PMS. Um, the main thing with PMS is that it's it's a whole myriad of different symptoms that you can be experiencing. Can you list off some, Hannah? Um, fatigue. Yeah. Pooping a lot. Pooping a lot. Uh, cramping for some people. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe some mood mood issues. Um, feeling down in the dumps. Yeah, kind moody. of depression. Well, yep. not depression really, more like sad. Depressive. Feelings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Depressive yep. feelings. Um, headaches. Bloating. Bloating. Uh, Migraines. Yeah. Maybe breast, some achiness. Achiness, breast tenderness. Uh-huh. Feeling very heavy. Yeah. Yep. Just like kind of like um, like bogged down by your yeah. body. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So spans a whole range of uncomfortable feelings. And I do feel like we, in our general culture, we will talk about PMS or, you know, people will make jokes about someone being PMS-y or yeah. something that's really, really, really gross. Um but it's PMS is something that is common, but not necessarily normal. So yeah. if someone is experiencing a lot of symptoms of PMS, a lot of the ones that we just mentioned, or maybe some others, acne, anything like that, more breakouts, um, I think that can be a clue that they could be looking at what's going on in their bodies and why their body is kind of signaling them, like flagging them down during that week before their period starts, being like, hey, I'm uncomfortable. Because yeah. that's not that's not um, a, a it's a not a comfortable state to be in, but it's also doesn't have to be what you're tied down to. Yeah, I feel like I used just personally. I feel like I had I used to have um, a lot of fatigue when I knew I was about to have my period. I would get 
a ton of fatigue Mm -hmm. and feel so draggy and really bloated. And that was before I ever did any fitness-related stuff and had, like, terrible food. And now I really don't have that at all leading up to my period. Sometimes on the day of, like yesterday, Mm -hmm. or, well, yeah, on the day of, I'll feel some frustration or, like, crabbiness that I can't place. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But it's usually short-lived. Like, yesterday it was really just, like, 10 hours of me feeling a little crabby Mm -hmm. at myself about my lifting and stuff. Um, But I never feel bloated anymore or crampy anymore it's not like you have to navigate your life differently right 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 whereas when I used to have to when I had really terrible food habits what what would you do that would how how would you change things when I had the problem when you had PMS yeah oh I would like eat uh, so many cookies (laughs) and sleep all day and then feel crappy when I did stuff did you ever have to take, like, over-the-counter painkillers, ibuprofen? Uh, I never had cramps, really. Yeah. I mean, I had bloating and discomfort, but yeah. I never had, like, a lot of – like, I know some people who are have, you know, cramps that are, make them feel co- totally debilitated. Yep. I never have experienced that before. Right. Okay. So I didn't really take any – even when I did have cramps, I really didn't take much. Yeah. Um, so a few things that can be going on when we're thinking about those symptoms and what we're experiencing. One – a lot of muscle stuff is happening, specifically with cramps. And like you were saying, some people who are so overwhelmed by these cramps and they're so painful that they either have to take time off of work or they have to shift around their work schedule or their sleep is disrupted because they're waking up in, in extreme pain. Jeez. In extreme pain that they can't manage. So well, that would definitely affect your athletic performance. <laughs> that would. Right, right. Um, yeah, it all kind of ties back. So uh, with that, magnesium. Hey, <laughs> good old oh magnesium. Oh my gosh, maybe that's why I never have any PMS yeah, symptoms. Yeah, Hannah's really good at taking her magnesium I'm and treating her body right. So magnesium, like I've talked before, it's a mineral. It's a mineral that our bodies use a lot in times of high stress. It's a mineral that um, most of us might be deficient in, at least to some degree, because uh, a lot of us could probably be eating more vegetables, and that's going to be a main source of minerals. And in this day and age, we don't necessarily know how mineral-rich our vegetables and plant foods are. So historically, there is probably more minerals in plants, including magnesium. Right. So if we're, if we're more stressed out, we're burning up more of our minerals. If our blood sugar is out of balance, we have big blood sugar highs and lows, our body's going to prioritize using any magnesium that it does have to be modifying that because that's a big stress state to be in. So Throughout the month, if we have that, those low magnesium stores, by the time we get to um, um, the week before our periods and we're it's low in magnesium, be worse. it's just going to be like, oh, I don't have much to you. Okay. I have nothing to give. I have nothing to give. So step one, if you're feeling a lot of those physical pain symptoms, I would say do your research about magnesium supplementation, either topically with Epsom salts or magnesium spray oil, magnesium creams, or orally using um, oral magnesium supplements. Mm, okay. And then also choosing to be looking at foods that are going to be giving you those minerals and magnesium, such as leafy greens. So hey. eat your kale, kale. salad. Kale <laughs> salad. greens. It's good yeah. for me. Totally. It is. It's true. Sea vegetables, kelp, anything like that, nori. Get some sushi. Ooh. You can have fun with it. Okay, good. <laughs> People. Um, come on, people. Come on, people. Okay, so magnesium is step one. 
okay. I would say for most people. That's great to know. That's yes. easy. That's it's, an easy peasy fix. It's easy peasy fix. Just one little sup a night. And and it's affordable. It's very reasonably priced. Oh, yeah. It's so cheap. You can find it. Um, magnesium citrate is going to be very widely available. And I you- bought a bottle of magnesium supplement, 500 milligram pills. I want to say a year ago and I'm not even through it yet right and it was maybe 16 bucks yeah and I still have so many magnesium (laughs) pills left yeah even though I take it every single day right right there aren't tons of contraindications there are some so you need to do your own research um and figure out if it's appropriate for you but that I think that can cover so many bases alone is looking at what is this and what 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 that is is a nutrient deficiency so we're saying, mm-hmm. okay, our bodies are able to get through the month, month to month, and they'll do their thing, but they might not be able to be working at that peak or ideal because there is this lingering deficiency. Yeah. So that's where a supplement can be helpful just to kickstart and say, hey, look, body, you're getting what you need, and it can bring you back up to a nice level so that once you do incorporate some more plant foods, you're making sure food is locked in, that then it can be sustainable. So um, magnesium is number one. And also can just feel great for muscle soreness and for helping you fall asleep and stay asleep and for keeping blood sugar levels regulated. It's the best. It's the best. So step two, I would be looking at inflammatory pathways in the body. Right. That makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, right. I think that's also, um, even if people can't really like put a finger on it, that with PMS, we're feeling more inflamed. Mm-hmm. Feeling bloated. I mean, bloating yeah, is definitely inflammation. Feeling the body just isn't like able to move through things the way it needs to be moving through things, or at least that's how I feel. I feel like stuck. Very like a lot of there's like uh, stagnation happening. So, the common use in American culture is to take something like an over-the-counter painkiller, like Midol, like Midol, ibuprofen, Excedrin, ibuprofen, Advil, aspirin. Yeah, any of those which might be they're modifying inflammatory pathways in the short term but in the long term again they're like a band-aid so they're not really looking at well why am i so inflamed right or why is my body not able to manage this inflammation because we do we want our bodies to be able to have those inflammatory pathways where they do inflame that's a healthy response but if they're not able to appropriately cope with something that is happening very naturally a period that's happening every month we have mm-hmm. our monthly menstrual cycle then that i think is um a call to be able to start to look at how to help create those healthier implement uh, inflammatory pathways yeah so again all this stuff it's like it's boiling it's boiling it down into these little quips and things here and there there's so much you can do but what i would have people start with after magnesium when you're looking at inflammation, is looking at your omega-3 to omega-6 hey, essential fatty acid what? status We in never the body. talk about those. Right. Omega-3 fatty acids, fish oil, I feel like that just is so pushed in the fitness world. Not yes. everyone needs to be supplementing. No one needs to supplement, period. But um, Hey, period. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the reason it's so advocated for in fitness is because what are people doing when they're working out hard they're breaking down muscle right. and they're um kind of they're seeking out that in that inflammation because yeah. of that muscle breakdown and people always talk about it for joint health too in weightlifting sure yep so joint and muscle health um regardless our bodies are dealing with our muscles and our joints throughout the month so i would say 
making sure that you're looking at if you're getting any refined seed oils that are coming into your diet, specifically if you eat out a lot at restaurants. Mm. Typically, the oils that are going to be used there, unless you ask, are going to be things like soybean oil or cottonseed oil or maybe some peanut oil, right? Um, corn oil, vegetable oil, all these are very, very refined seed and grain oils that are very high in omega-6 fatty acids, which here's where it gets a little bit tricky. We want omega-6 fatty acids. They're not bad, but we're when we're getting them from those sources, they are incredibly damaged. Oh, yeah. And then we eat them, yeah. and our body's like, well, I guess I'll make cells out of this damaged good. Because this is like the only building block I have. Oh, and I'm hungry. <laughs> right. It's, it's called essential because we need to be getting them through the foods we're eating. So it's not something that our body can be manufacturing. Yes. To some degree, our body can make a little bit of saturated fat. It's not essential. But those omega-3 and omega-6 essential fatty acids are so they need to be coming in, um, but not at the levels that they're coming in for the average American. Mm-hmm. The, for those people who are encountering those um, seed oils, the ratio of omega-3 to omega-6 in their bodies is highly skewed. And I know I talked about this during our Omegas episodes. So what do you know? Go, go back and check it out. Go back and listen. So what this means in... What this means in practice is that someone could be cutting out all of those poor quality omega-6 fatty acids and allowing omega-6s to come from things like nuts and seeds mm. and maybe a cold-pressed oil here and there. And that that's it because that's way more in tune with how we're encountering omega-6s previously. Right. At the same time, they also need to be looking at bumping up how many omega-3 fatty acids they're getting. Because in that standard American diet, the omega-3s are insanely low because we're not getting good quality meats or fish. We just don't eat much of them at all. Um, We're still not getting those nuts and seeds, which are also going to have some omega-3s depending on the type. So there's that big, unfortunate difference. And when our cells are being built out of that, that's going to skew how our body reacts. um, Yeah, definitely. It has its inflammatory pathways. So... Increasing omega threes. Go listen to the omegas episodes. So you do know it. How to it's do a it. great app. It's a great app. Thinking about if you do want to be supplementing to kickstart that increase of omega threes, starting to rebalance it um, with getting quality threes and sixes, and also taking out that huge amount of really refined sixes. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Yes. Okay. Okay. Cool. Great. And then the final thing I want to talk about is looking at liver health. Oh, that makes sense because now tell me if I'm wrong. <laughs> oh, I will. <laughs> but your your liver processes your excess hormone metabolites. Yes. Very good, Hannah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. So our livers have, they take part in many processes, um, one of which is processing any toxins. And I'm using that term loosely. <laughs> Not in the woo-woo way? <laughs> Could be in the woo-woo way. It's pretty loose right now. Yeah. It's open to everything. <laughs> but when I'm talking about toxins, I'm talking about toxins that are coming that are environmental so that we might be encountering from carpets off-gassing or a bus driving past you and you breathe in all the fumes, all that stuff. But also we have these toxins that are occurring inside of our system that our liver also needs to process. Yeah. Like dead cells. It needs to get rid of those while we make new cells. Um, and we also can have excess and old, used-up hormone metabolites. 
hey i've been there yeah and and yeah hold on to that story if you want to share it yeah so excess hormone metabolites hormones are made from fats so an excess hormone metabolite is going to be a fat soluble thing when we're thinking about liver detox, and you can go listen to the liver episode from Worthy <laughs> Building a beautiful library here. <laughs> um, if you go listen to that episode, what you'll hear is that when we have our liver detoxification pathways, there are two pathways. There's pathway one and pathway two. Pathway one is for water-soluble toxins. These are things that our body can flush out by us drinking more water, by us peeing, by us sweating, okay? So it's... it's um, you know, if you're dehydrated or you're having issues, like you can be looking at ways to increase that type of detoxification, but it's fairly easy for those types of toxins to be moved out and through the body. Right. The other um, pathway for detox is going to be for fat-soluble toxins. So fat-soluble toxins have to go through an extra step of being conjugated into water-soluble toxins so our body can then release them through those through peeing or through sweating or pooping, anything like that. That's where things can get hairy. If our liver is really bogged down because we're stressed out, mm-hmm. because we have blood sugar levels that are all over the place, because mm-hmm. it plays a huge role in all that, because we're not sleeping well, because we're not getting the nutrients that, it to need, that we need to support it, No. then the priority will not be to remove those fat-soluble toxins. Instead, what the body can do, if it needs to, if we, we, our body knows that we don't want to have fat-soluble toxins just circulating throughout and getting in the organs. That's unhealthy. That's a scary place for the body to be in. So it'll store fat-soluble toxins where? In our fat. Because no. they're fat-soluble. Yeah. yeah. So we can have that, and we can still have some free-floating, circulating hormones. That, if we couple that with our natural ways of estrogen, um, specifically as well as progesterone and those other sex hormones, but specifically estrogen, if we had these excess metabolites that kind of blip on the top of those um, waves throughout the month, that addition can be a big contributor to those uncomfortable symptoms of PMS. Yeah. And Hannah, you had a story. Well, I, th- I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, but that I tried to switch – from having like a regular period to having a period that came every three months. Switch with your birth control. Right. And I don't know why. Honestly, when I look back, I'm like, why did I do that? I think my OB suggested it and I sort of just went along with it and it made me feel so bad. I felt so sick and nauseous and I was very like feeling really low and I thought I was pregnant Mm -hmm. and like I was dizzy all the time. And then as soon as I stopped doing that, and took that calcium deglutarate, which was basically helped me break down all that extra stuff. Mm-hmm. I felt so much better. Yep. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, wow, this is really, this feeling is so bad. And I think it was similar to how people feel when they have PMS, like really bad symptoms of PMS, except for it lasted for several weeks instead yep. of just one time. Yep. And some people can feel that even when they start a birth control and, and how you respond to birth controls and different types is really, really varied. Um, I am someone who had a horrible experience with birth control and got just major, major depression and major issues. And it was something, it was a birth control that was monthly. Um, and that buildup of hormones, even though when we were talking about in your section, Hannah, about how 
those fluctuations can be so small, yeah. they can still feel very profound. Well, also when you're going from your own hormonal cycle to a fictional one, you know, like <laughs> a supplementary one yeah. that was created for you, yeah. it can totally change how you react to things. Right. The main thing is like within your own within your own menstrual cycle, you as your individual person, you the special flower that you are, mm-hmm. your performance as an athlete and really as a person <laughs> doesn't change because you're dealing with that. It's not, it doesn't make you any worse than right. anyone else right. at the thing you want to do. Yep. On top of that, you may experience some PMS symptoms that are more extreme than other people or feel more debilitating than other people. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those are things that you'd have to go to like your doctor to fix. And sometimes there's things that you can manage through your food right. and your subs. Right. And it can get to a certain level. You know, if someone has cramps that are so severe, of course, that is going to yeah. affect how right. uh, how you're going to navigate do anything. in the gym. Yeah, right. exactly. The gym probably exactly. won't even feel like an option. Right. Um, so for liver detoxification, go back to the episode for even more ideas. But I would say think about eating and increasing bitter greens, dandelion, arugula. Um, you can even get dandelion tea. Danda blend is kind of like a coffee replacement that is actually quite tasty, I think. Does it's, it have caffeine in it? No. Okay. It doesn't. Um, but it has a really great mouthfeel, kind of, you know, how coffee is almost thicker. Like, yeah. the difference between drinking coffee and tea. Danda blend, I think, has a nice kind of replication of that mouthfeel oh, nice. for coffee. So anyone who needs to be coming off because of adrenal stuff or anything, anything else, um, that can also be really useful for helping support the liver in how it's detoxifying. Um, raw beets, really great. If you make a raw beet saw, so grate up a beet, grate up like a green apple. Get some extra virgin olive oil and lemon juice on there. Sea salt, black pepper. You're good to go. Scrumptious. Solved all your problems. <laughs> Solved all your problems. One beet, one problem. Done. There are plenty of supplements that people take in formulations that are even more impactful um, targeting liver health. Yeah. Milk thistle is often what you'll see in a lot of those blends. Um, and then just typically different herbs that are um, a little bit more like astringent that help help the mm-hmm. liver do what it needs to do. So magnesium, <laughs> omegas, looking at those ratios, supplementing if needed, really addressing diet can be a big one if you're eating out a lot or you're even at home if you're cooking with those very refined seed and grain oils. They're going to have a huge impact on how your body um, reacts to inflammation and, and inflames, period. <laughs> period. And then liver health. Yes. So that would be my three-part punch <laughs> to the gut when yes. you're having PMS and you yes. don't want to be having it because guess what? It's not a prescription and it doesn't have to be your normal. And if it's really disrupting your life and you don't enjoy it, right? you have you the tools. figure out a way to get around that. It does not need to be like that. No, it doesn't. You know, everyone tells you it needs to be like that, but it doesn't. It, you're, but you don't really need to change anything you do when you get your damn period. No. If you want to try Diva Cup, that's cool. That's cool. It's a very <laughs> natural thing that's happening to you. Yes. I read one of the things I read said that you may have up to 3,000 3, days in your life that you're bleeding. So you so, might as well embrace it. You might as well embrace it and see what. That's a you lot can, of days. It is. See what you can do to make it comfortable. So and you can be rocking it because that's and part make it of your work life. for you. Make it work for you. Like yep. come up with a plan to make it work so that when you try to do your daily things, you don't feel any less exceptional right. during that time. Right. So my challenge. And if you come to the gym, yeah. feel free to just 
free bleed your way through a workout. Please do. I ain't nobody can judge. Can you go cry in the corner? Do it. I'll probably go join you if you want. Uh, Challenge would be, again, if any of those speak to you, those three different tips, then go out and seek them. Seek the magnesium. Seek omega-3, omega-6. Talk to me if you want specifics about those. I'm always open for that. And think about your liver health. What we, You know, our follow-up episode should be how to read your menstrual blood like tea leaves. <sighs> yes. <laughs> or how to dump how- out your diva cup onto, like, a paper towel and, like, read the, the Rorschach patterns. Or <laughs> save your menstrual blood and all that jazz and feed your health plants with it. Yeah. Really? <laughs> Very nourishing. Really? <laughs> There's wow! You can do. <laughs> Compost it. Yep. Or save it up in a jar for the blood moon, and then mm-hmm. have a ritual and become a true witch. There's some very biodynamic uses. I'm just saying. <laughs> Google it. Blood. You'll yeah. enjoy it. What yeah. you see? Or uh, also, what can I do with my period blood? That's what you should look up on the internet. <laughs> one more thing about the diva cup that can be very useful is actually. Uh, collecting it throughout your period yeah. so that you can see I do, how much I do how rely much on that quite a bit you lose because that can help gauge if you feel like oh my gosh my period is really heavy do I yeah. want to be going in because there can be reasons that are um, grander and more serious that yeah. can be affecting your cycle yeah and you can tell a lot about how like your frequency of how often or how often you're bleeding what time during the day you tend to bleed mm-hmm. um, how thick or viscous it is. Yep, the there are a lot of clots. Are, yeah, are there a lot of clots in there? Is it dark, really dark, or yep. does it tend to be a little bit lighter? Is it, like, coming out pretty easily, or are you getting very stuck? It can tell you a lot about how you're feeling, actually. It really can, yeah. It's a really cool way to be in tune with your body. That's yes. uh, not – I also don't think is supported in our main No, culture. your period blood is dope. It's way better than regular <laughs> blood. <laughs> it is. It's our, filled with the stuff of life. Yeah. We, none of us would be here without period blood. No, so it's well, not taboo. I, well, well, actually. <laughs> Other way That's around. not true anymore, right? <laughs> there are now people that were born in laboratories. Is that a thing? Am I making that up? Do I watch too much science fiction? <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many ways to have a baby. <laughs> um. You're so right. <laughs> Wow, okay, I'm going to back this train way up. <laughs> I'm just going to say this. I love periods. I do too. I don't think they're weird or gross at all. I think they're great and awesome. They're you should sacred. embrace yours or embrace the period of someone you know. And if you want to learn more, you can do research. Even if you're someone who doesn't have a period, it's okay to ask and talk about them with people you're close to or look – well, I was going to say look stuff up online. There can be some really bunk stuff. Yeah, please uh, – I mean, so I find just find someone learned, you're comfortable ugh. with, and if you are curious, it's okay to be curious. It's okay to talk about it. Yeah. Yes. And you – well, you, you do you, buddy. You do you, buddies. <laughs> it's all about you. All right. That being said, this brings us to the end of our episode. It was such a good episode. You know – Taj Ruler is always helping us out here mm-hmm. on the back end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's just the best. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's like, Taj Ruler is like the first day you get your period because <laughs> it's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you should subscribe to us on iTunes. And someone tweeted at us this week. Good. 
Someone else should do it this week. Someone tweeted at us about our poop episode. Yes, they did. And it was great. And we loved it. And I was so excited for like three days it carried me through. So tweet me. Tweet me. (laughs) Tweet us. (laughs) Tweet Hannah at Silcana Podcast. Yeah. You could just tweet. Just tweet my name even. Hannah. You know when someone says your name and you feel so special? Yeah. It would make me feel even specialer to see it tweeted. And then if you want to use our names in a review on iTunes. We would love it. On a podcast. It can even be a mean review. We want all your We want a five-star mean review. Please. (laughs) Five stars. This shit sucks. Make it mean. Yeah. Make it real. Make it you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Be careful because I might collect all my period blood and use it in a ritual. Yeah. Watch your house plans. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, bye. Okay, bye. (laughs) Solcana Cast is produced by Taj Ruler. Subscribe on iTunes or visit solcanacast.libsim.com. That's L-I-B-S-Y-M.com for full episode information. You can also visit our website at solcanafitness.com to stay up to date on everything health and fitness. Join in on the conversation over on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Zulkana CrossFit. See you there.